Ladies and gentlemen, in the land of ECW, sports are not dead. The entertainment business lives on in the world wrestling entertainment. This is Kevin Key and Eric James bringing a special bonus episode of the Philly Fans Podcast to you today. On today's show, we are going to be talking about WWE WrestleMania. With a big fan of the show and a host of all things wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Nick Grandizio with us. Nick. Hey, what's up, everybody? How's it going? Nick sounds so enthused. Just Thanks for like, having me on the show. Just like the audience at WrestleMania this weekend, Nick seems very excited. I am excited. I'm ecstatic. Uh, I'm excited for you guys. You know, you're starting off right with having a podcast about sports, sports podcast. I love the name Philly fans. You guys are the Phillies of fans. So that's really cool to me. And I'm honored to be a part of your show and uh, talk some wrestling today. We're honored to have you here, Nick. Yeah, it's okay to have you here today, Nick. Uh, Nick, Nick and I, we, uh, if just to give you some background, Nick and I, we get into some arguments uh, about certain wrestlers and wrestling events. Uh, I'm sure WrestleMania was no different. Uh, so today's podcast, we're going to start with matches that really did nothing for me. Uh, I'm not sure if they did anything for Nick uh, or Eric, but they really meant nothing to me. Uh, we'll start, obviously, with the pre-show. Uh, and those pre-show matches, they really meant nothing. I mean, the only storyline kind of going in was Gulak and Cesaro because of the Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn storyline. But really, that did nothing for me other than cheering on uh, Gulak because he's a Philly guy. And he lost to Cesaro. Uh, on top of that, the other, the other pre-show match was Natalia versus Liv Morgan. It's good for Liv Morgan to get a WrestleMania moment. Uh, however, Natalia is forever going to kill me because I can't stand her or her character. <laughs> Nick? Honestly, I thought the Cesaro and Gulak thing didn't really need like a story behind it. I thought it was uh, it was designed to just simply entertain us when it comes to in-ring talent and type of grappling type of matchup because that's exactly what that was. And uh, I was excited to see them get in the ring uh, regardless of what the story was. And I, I, I enjoyed that match. The Liv Morgan and Talia match, um, it was a throwaway for me, to be honest with you. Um, I, I like Liv Morgan. I like what they've done with her character, how she's away from the, the Riot Squad, even though I did like the Riot Squad a lot. And, again, I actually have to agree with you on this, Kevin. Natalia, I, I don't, just don't know what Natalia has even doing on the card. Do we know if Ruby Riot dropped out of WrestleMania? Honestly, I, I don't know other than rumors. So there wasn't much about Ruby Riot going in other than her fighting. That would have been nice. Chamber. I mean, this Natalia Liv Morgan match was just uh, mentioned on fr or Saturday morning before night one of WrestleMania. They decided to announce these pre-show matches. So really, okay. they, they were just throw-ins. Um, there was no storyline going in. Uh, I think people felt bad for Liv Morgan at Elimination Chamber more than anything. Uh, Natalia had a little time uh, at Elimination Chamber. Uh, but yeah. Liv Morgan is this they, – they embraced this new character, and Philly got behind her a little bit, and, and they just destroyed that with Shannon Baszler. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I thought that – if I mean – if Ruby Riot was healthy or if she was, you know, not afraid of what's going on, you know, willing to take the risk and, and work a match with uh, Liv Morgan, 
I think the story would have been there more. Uh, but again, it is the pre-show. So it's more just, you know, it's just throwaway matches right before the show starts. And I think you were right from the beginning. Liv Morgan just getting a win in general is something good for her. Yeah, yeah let's, I, I didn't see on. the fans getting behind any of these matches, by the way. I mean, th- there were obviously there <laughs> weren't any fans there, um, as I was actually supposed to be on my way home from Tampa at this point. Uh, yeah, your shirt says that. Yeah, my shirt says I wasn't there. I was not at WrestleMania. <laughs> I was supposed to be. I still got my uh, my T-shirt merch. Um, but a little disappointing not being there because of this COVID-19, once again, taking over our podcast. Um, but I think WWE did at least a decent job uh, covering up with no fans entertaining us, giving us that entertainment in the world wrestling industry. Well, you got to give credit to the professionals out there anyway for for taking the risk to entertain their fans um i think they did a great job i hope they took every safety precaution i don't doubt it but it was it was yeah it was entertaining and it's something uh to take your mind off with everything going on in the world so i think they did a great job even without fans i don't think anyone should really complain because the show did go on i'm honestly glad you guys both have that opinion because i was talking with my one friend and he was like really being a little bitter about the whole thing and saying like he's really complaining about the event in general and like you know what like as wrestling fans we do complain that's just what we do we always complain about something that's going on something we may not like and yada 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 that happens you know we all have different opinions when it comes to wrestling and wrestling is so vast it's like completely different than anything else and he just was really you know not liking it like you can not like it but he was really just being bitter and it really bothered me because I just, I just straight up told him like dude why don't you just be grateful like grateful that we got something you know what I mean like we got something and I was when I first heard that Wrestlemania was still going to continue I was worried I thought it was going to be a little cheesy and yeah there were times where it was you know it would have been better with the crowd but I saw this one comment on the internet that just said why don't just be grateful that they did something for us and they did it for the fans and that was that. That one really did it for me. And then Kevin Owens tweeted something about, I hope I was able to entertain you. Like, that alone, that, that says it right there. I, I, my heart, like, bled for the guy, you know? Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's that's what it is. They're entertainers. And, and they're some of them are freak athletes, too. Um, I think there's a difference. Uh, if this was Survivor Series, I feel as if it would have been postponed. But this isn't Survivor Series. This isn't Hell in a Cell. This is WrestleMania. This is not something Vince McMahon could say, hey, I'm going to not put on WrestleMania. I'm going going to delay WrestleMania. They could not hold these storylines for another couple of months. They couldn't do it. Uh, Some of them were just getting stale early. So giving us WrestleMania and giving us these finishes, and we're going to talk about some big surprises and some title changes, um, they they needed to happen because this is the time in which – these superstars were getting pushed. Uh, so I'm going to continue to go into these throwaway matches real quick. Uh, Nick, please stop me, or Eric, please stop me if you actually think that these things meant something. Um, I think there are one or two matches in my throwaway events that actually meant something, kind of. Uh, but at the same time, they were the matches were kind of blah. So, for instance, like Corbin versus Elias. There was a storyline going in that Elias was not going to be there uh, because of COVID-19. He actually got basically thrown off a barricade by Corbin 
uh, two weeks prior to WrestleMania. Uh, so it was a surprise that it was there. Uh, the problem was, to me, the match just went on way too long. It should have ended with Elias right in the beginning, hitting, him, hitting, hitting Corbin with the guitar, uh, giving him the drift away, and end the match. Uh, but they decided to extend that match for some reason. No, I agree with you. I think it, it should have just been a quick, you know, get your revenge, get the pin, get out. Yeah, I didn't really care either way. I mean, I could go off on how Corbin should just win because he has, like, the character at this point. But, you know, I love Elias. So just, it's a throwaway, and I'm going to throw it away. All right, speaking about another throwaway, uh, Bobby Lashley and Aleister Black, which had zero build whatsoever to it. Um, <laughs> literally zero build whatsoever. No storyline. <laughs> Uh, at all. They announced it about three weeks before Mania and still did not build up any storyline between these two characters. I'm happy that Aleister Black gets a win uh, because he needs it to build this guy to be a superstar and a stud. Uh, however, this, this match just wasn't needed at all. Well, the whole, the whole Bobby Lashley, I, I, I mean, like, unlike you guys, I don't, I don't partake in watching WWE as much as I used to, but the whole Lana being with someone, I think that needs to change. I think her character is just, it's interesting. I don't understand it. And then the match itself, you know, yeah, it was a good win. He, he Like you said, he probably needed it to boost his, his way up the card. So it is what it is. Yeah, and I think, the, I think they're showing uh, parts of this uh, Lashley-Lana finally ending uh, again. And I think they're going to try to build this much like this. Macho Man Elizabeth, uh, I. But let's be honest, Rusev is not Macho Man um, in this situation, and Lana is definitely not Elizabeth. So uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do with this Lashley Lana storyline anymore. But congrats, Alistair Black, for your big WrestleMania <laughs> win. Um, another match that just just bothered me was th- like you build this storyline, you build you this match of Shayna Baszler versus the Man Becky Lynch. Uh, they built this huge storyline behind them. You booked Shayna as strong as possible. Uh, basically killed the, w- the WWE Philly crowd at Elimination Chamber with Shayna just sitting there waiting for uh, women wrestlers to come out to destroy. Um, and you, you gave the man, Becky Lynch, a roll-up victory. Uh, of all things, a roll-up. I just, I just think it was booked uh, very boring. Um. I think that there's a reason why we got that finish because I, I was certain, like, let's say COVID-19 wasn't a thing. We're, you know, in normal everyday life, Kevin goes to WrestleMania, no problems at all. Right. I think that Shayna Baszler wins and we're not, we're going to get to it eventually, but I also think Kevin Owens wins. I think that Seth and Becky get written off. I think that they go, they get married and, they come back around SummerSlam time, come back into storyline. Seth goes back to being a heel. Becky comes back and feuds with, at this point, Shayna would be an unstoppable heel champion that no one could stop her. We needed the man to return and chase the title and get an awesome storyline with that. Uh, however, because of COVID-19, I think that changed this entire storyline drastically because I'm reading things that, that uh, they might be taking time off uh, from from doing Raw and SmackDown, not confirmed. Nothing is confirmed. But if that's the case, why take the title off of Becky? If they're not going to be on TV anyway, I kind of agree with keeping the title on Becky. She, uh, if they ever do anything press, anything anything press related, 
Becky's the girl. You don't give it to Shayna. She, she's not the press person for the title. Becky's like, the if I'm being honest. Becky's the What's man. What's up? Becky's the man. She's the man. She's the man. Yeah, she's not the girl. She's the man. So uh, I, I think that was the smart move if they, if they do go off TV. But if they just go back to weekly televised stuff, I think Shayna should have won. Um, I also – I agree with you. The roll-up pin was like a – it was like a little cheap Monday Night Raw ending. It wasn't like a WrestleMania ending. It was almost uh, like a Miz win. Yeah, it was definitely like a like a Dusty Rhodes Miz WCW finish. It was weird. What about you, Eric? And they had they had two roll up wins in a row. Elias won. On Did a they? Run, and then oh, yeah, you're right. So booking those back to back is just like, what are you doing? Uh, it actually turned my mind to this is going to be the worst WrestleMania. Uh, why am I going to sit through this? And then it actually drastically changed. Actually, right after that match, uh, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Right. I mean, I don't have any extra thoughts. You guys, you know, hit the nail on the head. It is it, like, I mean, I wouldn't call it a throwaway because you do, you do have one of your top stars in it. I get what you're saying, but that's still a big part of WrestleMania when you have a top star. Yeah. Well, and then the I also other- thought, oh, I'm sorry, real quick. I thought it was weird where it fell on the card too. Like, like, like Becky, she just main evented last WrestleMania, and now she's just randomly at one point on the card. I felt like she should have at least opened the show. Uh, I don't know. May have been on Sunday. Yeah, uh, something like that. It just that was a little weird to me. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely a little weird to me being the third, uh, third kind of like the mid card of that night uh, on day one. Uh, speaking yeah. about being that that was a title match, it's kind of not a throwaway. Another title match that's supposed to not be a throwaway was the Raw Tag Team title match uh, between the Street Profits versus Austin Theory, who was replacing Andrade uh, and Angel Garza, who is going to be a star one day. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like a throwaway tag team match. Uh, it was a very good match, however. Uh, still throwaway. So to me, Montez Ford is incredibly entertaining. Uh, throughout that whole match, he kind of made me want to watch it. Uh, but it also was a very good way to get his real-life wife, Bianca Belair, into the main card uh, with the Street Profits. Right. All right, so we're going to go. That, those were our throwaways. Nick, anything else throwaway-wise? You nah, nah, I just missed Andrade, but, you know, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, and uh, Andrade was apparently legitimately injured. Uh, he is the United okay. States champion, which actually bothers me that he was going for a tag title, but because um, I think the United States championship is should have been defended uh, at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, the start of WrestleMania uh, 36 on night one started with Alexa Bliss's first WrestleMania win. Uh, match was basically carried by Nikki Cross. However, it gives Alexa Bliss her first WrestleMania win. Uh, Bliss Cross Applesauce won the Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, Alexa, who has lost two Women's Championships at WrestleMania, finally wins a Women's Championship. Uh, Not talking about you, Alexa. I'm talking about Alexa Bliss. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) I... Oh, sorry. You go ahead, Eric. You go ahead. I I was just going to say, I think it it was a good match. Um, I feel like, I mean, like I said, like I don't watch as much, but it feels like Nikki is always put on the back burner. It was kind of her time to shine. So it was nice to see that. Um, so, yeah, she, she carried that match. So that's, that's all my takes on it. 
Um, I like – I got to say, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross kind of grown on me. I didn't think they would be a team that I would enjoy. But, you know, I mean, Alexa's always been, like, a really good heel. And I'm liking her as a, a teammate with Nikki Cross. It's eventually going to be Alexa turning on her someday, you know. <laughs> you know, it's going to happen eventually. Just don't know when. Uh, match itself, um, it was good, you know. Uh, I, I felt like the women's tag titles have kind of took a back seat recently. Uh, and that kind of bothers me because I felt like they started off really strong. And I thought they were really good with the um, their names, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Uh, the, icon- the Iconics! Um, the Iconics. Yeah, uh, I loved them. And then they, once they won, the, they were champs for a while. They just, like, stopped putting them on TV or something like that. That really bummed me out. Um, but that has nothing to do with this match. Yeah, it, it's whatever. I thought the match was good. I'm glad that the titles have changed hands. Let's hope that they continue to show them on TV. Well, Nick, it was you're, you're bringing up a good point with the Iconics. Uh, the Iconics, though, um, they didn't defend the title for a very long period of time, much like Kyrie Sane and Asuka, uh, who actually have both gone to 0-3 at WrestleMania after this match. Uh, Asuka and Kyrie Sane have not defended that title, I think, since December. Uh, wow. So, much like the Iconics, it took them a long time. And Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss become the first two-time women's tag team champions. Uh, speaking about tag team matches, let's talk about a tag team match that wasn't actually a tag team match, uh, but it was for a tag team championship. Uh, this turned into a single singles match between John Morrison, Kofi Kingston, and one of the Uso brothers. Um, I, I can't tell you which Uso, so I'll just call him Uso. <laughs> It was, one. it was Jimmy. It was Jimmy. This was for the tag team championships. Uh, rumor is that uh, Miz actually was sick, uh, which is why the tag titles were not defended in a tag match. However, these three were literally the three best you could have put into this singles ladder match. Oh, I, I agree fully. Like, no surprise to you two, this was my favorite match of WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like if there was a crowd, this probably would have been the match of WrestleMania, just because of all the great spots there were. Um, <laughs> I, it's really one of my first exposures to Morrison too, and that man is a freak. Like he, he he's insane. And, and you know, you know my love for Jeff Hardy, so it's like find a guy that's ten times better than Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's it was great, and then Kofi always puts on a great show, and the Usos are always they're high flyers too, and they they put so it was like you said, Kevin it was the best three people you could have in a ladder match, and in this WrestleMania, what was cool without the fans is you could hear everything the the superstars are saying to each other, and some of the back and forth, we'll get into it more with I think KO and Rollins, it was just it was entertaining. I thought that was a good the good part of WrestleMania without fans that you could hear everything they're saying to each other. Yeah. And sorry, Nick, one of the best things about wrestling in general is that they, uh, a lot of times you could see the story progress in the ring. Uh, this actually told you a story in the ring. It was an art in the ring between these three, uh, these three superstars. Uh, they literally put their bodies on the line and continued to build on this, this great uh, match, which just became a, uh, work of art throughout uh like a biggie and the Miz could not do what kofi and john morrison did in this match they don't touch it honestly uh that's actually where i was i was actually going to bring that part up 
I would I kind of missed Big E in, in the match. Out of that, like I, I love the three that were chosen because obviously when it comes to ladder stuff and high flying maneuvers, it's going to be those three. Besides, well, both Usos can do it, but uh, when it, you know Miz and Big E can't do that kind of stuff. But Big E is there to do like you know the big spots when it comes to um, power, and I would I kind of would have liked to have seen that. Like you know he does that spear through the through the ropes, the one that I think he dies every time he, he takes that bump. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I did miss him. I also, I loved Miz's, <laughs> Miz's post on Instagram. He posted a picture of John Morrison on the ground with both tag titles, and it just says, well, that was easy. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, I really enjoyed the match. I, I also really liked how, one of, was it Jimmy Uso, Eric, you said? Well, yeah, Jimmy. Uso. Okay, I liked how Jimmy <laughs> I think Jimmy like pushed Kofi Kingston off the ladder at one point. He's like, How's that feel, Kofi? How's yeah. that feel? Like I I, I love their smack talk. They always go back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed the athleticism in this match. The only thing that was missing was uh was Eric. Eric would have been uh, really awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Well, I also think the end of this match was uh, great because we know that any of these three tag teams could have been tag team champions in the end. Definitely. All three of them grabbing the, t- grabbing the titles at the same time and f- finally pushing John Morrison off the ladder where Morrison is landing on a ladder with both titles in his hands, in his grasp. I mean, that was, uh, to me, that was a great finish to this, uh, to this rivalry that is probably going to continue on SmackDown. Um, so we're going to move on to another match that actually stole the show. And this would have been the match in which I was worked. I will admit that I was worked uh, in WWE worked me. The Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins match. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the D I thought they were going to go with the DQ. I was pissed off. Uh, you could probably <laughs> see me tweeting at one point how angry I was uh, because I thought they were ending it with a DQ after Rollins bragged about his WrestleMania record. Uh, so uh, I was really happy KO changed this to a no DQ match uh, and basically carried that. Carried the. I, I love Seth. I love KO. Uh, KO just put on a tremendous performance in the end. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a great match. Um, again, hearing them talk to each other when Rollins, when Rollins is like, is this what you do? Is this what your kids are going to think of or something like that? I was cracking up because – because I mean, well, that was a turning point. It was it was good to see the reaction after that. Because Kevin Owens was like, "Well, you're not going to talk crap to my kids," and, and then so he took off. And speaking of high flying, Kevin Owens jumped off the WrestleMania sign onto a table, and the selling that Rollins did there with the wheezing could have been a little over the top, but it worked because you know you have to show that you're hurt, especially without fans there. So I think he did a good job. It was a good match. And I think that was set up for Kevin Owens uh, was actually planning to jump off the, uh, the ship in Tampa. Uh, That was his original plan was to jump off the ship. So to jump off the WrestleMania sign was, uh, was pretty cool for him. Nick, sorry. Kevin, you would have, you would have freaked out if you saw that live. (laughs) Him jumping off the ship. (laughs) I I would have freaked out if I saw a lot of this live. Right. Yeah. Um, I I think Kevin Owens, when he's on Monday Night Raw, he's got this little twinkle in his eye. He just is so hungry. He's hungry for competition and to be the main guy and the star. And I listen, I like I like Brock Lesnar. I don't love him. I get the point of Brock Lesnar. I know we're gonna get to that. 
Um, Kevin Owens, the guy you, you I've seen in your notes, put put the title on him. Like I agree, I, I he is the guy that could carry a company. He may not look like the two uh, the 1980s to 2010 look of a wrestler, but you know what? Ever since CM Punk cut the pipe bomb, anyone can be a wrestler if they have the uh, the charisma. They've got the talent in the ring, and they've got the the talk on the mic. I, I honestly, I think he's got all three, and he he should be champion. I also really liked how we've seen this feud before, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, but now Kevin Owens is the face and Seth Rollins is the heel, so we get a little taste of it on, on the different side of things. Um, and whenever that happens, whenever heels and faces kind of flip flop, their move sets change a little bit too. You know, Seth Rollins won't be doing those. Um, We'll be doing those fancy maneuvers as much. He'll be doing more um, ground pound heel maneuvers and cheating stuff, which I like to see from him every now and then. And Kevin Owens is going to be the one that's going to be doing more of the uh, high-flying stuff, like you just said, jumping off the WrestleMania sign. So, yeah, all, all around great matchup. It came on great, a great timing of the show, too. Uh, so at this point, this was the first night. This is when WrestleMania was like, okay, well, we're watching something good, you know? Mm-hmm. Great. And then the next match happened, uh, which oh, yeah. actually oh, yeah. <laughs> really – so I'm going to talk about the two big <laughs> title matches right now back-to-back, okay. mainly because they were basically the same match. They were. Uh, oh, yeah. Braun Strowman uh, fought against Goldberg for the Universal Championship. Uh, Braun Strowman, congratulations. You won the WWE Universal Championship against Goldberg. Uh, in a match that looked exactly like the WWE title match between Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre. Um, the loser of the match hit their finisher four times in the beginning of the show, and then they were hit with the opponent's finisher four straight times for a pin. So it, that kind of bothered me that they were so similar. Uh, I think Braun Strowman was a year late winning the Universal Championship. Uh, I also think that Drew McIntyre needed more time to tell a story with Brock Lesnar. Uh, I love Drew McIntyre. I love the character. They needed more than four minutes to do that match. Uh, So I was a little disappointed that those two matches for the two big titles uh, were both under four minutes. Uh, The Braun Strowman Goldberg was actually about two minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, So I was a little, I was pretty annoyed with those two finishes but i wrestlemania kind of made up for it later on as well other than drew and goldberg or sorry drew and brock uh i think drew deserves the title uh i think drew's had a great couple of years in the wwe uh and definitely does deserve the wrestlemania moment in front of fans though that's that's my biggest issue he needed to do it in front of fans um uh i was just gonna say that I agree with that 100%. I think uh, we'll go back to Braun and what's the Goldberg real quick. I felt like we were dealt a bad hand <clears throat> with that one because, uh, <laughs> because we I, honestly, I know, I don't know if Kev is, I, I don't know how Eric feels. I, I was actually really excited about Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. I know it's not Roman Reigns' fault with why he can't wrestle, but as a fan, I think regardless of what your opinion is of Roman Reigns, you knew that a Goldberg match was going to be a five-minute match, regardless of who he's wrestling. It doesn't matter. Goldberg is going to wrestle in a five- to eight-minute match. That's what he's done every single time he's been back. Um, but with Roman, 
we'd go to get we were gonna get spears. It was gonna be like a spear city type of match. And I felt like that would be kind of interesting. That dynamic, that those movesets would have been kind of cool. I also think Roman shines in those kinds of matches. If you remember his match against Brock at SummerSlam uh, two years ago, people cheered for Roman at that point because it was it was pretty fast paced match. I enjoyed it. But the, one of the funny things that happened about this match was like, I was watching it with my girlfriend at the time. And she was trying to tell me something. I said, Jewel, just wait a second. This match will be over in two minutes because I can't look away right now. Cause like, if I do, the title's going to change hands. And it did. <laughs> uh, and then for when it comes to, I completely agree with you, Kev, for, for Drew, I think he, he deserves a, an audience. Cause if you remember his hit him when he went to NXT, when he returned to NXT and he had that huge takeover match, and I think he won the title at takeover, he was, like, beloved by the fans. And that really that really showed that he could be a star. And it's hard for people in the back. Like, obviously, we're fans. But people in the back who need that audience to, like, to, to solidify if you're the guy around here is really what they need to listen to. That's what brought AJ Styles up the ranks when he first debuted in WWE. Everyone popped for him immediately. So I, I felt like that totally held back Drew's win and that's what's going to be a struggle and sorry one more thing Braun Strowman oh, I agree should have won the title they screwed him with the money in the bank a while ago they flip-flopped his heel face stuff to keep Roman as the face which they should have just left that alone just don't even have them feud you're not don't turn your red hot face into a heel that's just the stupidest idea ever if you're not going to give him the title anyway, don't put the briefcase on him. Give it to someone that you plan on screwing over later anyway. Yeah, that was that was a travesty. So I'm glad that both wrestlers won the titles. It's just it's a shame with what's going on that there was no crowd reaction for either of them, and both matches were kind of could have been throwaway matches. But, yeah, Eric, for Kev, throwing it back to you guys. <laughs> so um, I actually, like, I, I wonder where this is going to put Roman Reigns in the end. Uh, I wonder if or when Roman Reigns is going to be coming back um, to WWE uh, because he's recovering from leukemia. He has recovered from leukemia, beaten it twice, uh, but COVID-19 is definitely going to put a damper on uh, their run right now, and I am not a Roman Reigns fan. I think everybody I talk to knows that I am not a Roman Reigns fan. However, I, I know that he is the guy right now, uh, especially for Vince McMahon. So, so, so I just want to, I just want to, because I know you hate, not hate Roman Reigns, but you don't like him as a character. And I don't think, I don't think any storyline he's been in has helped his character for most people. Because you, you think about it, he was, he quote unquote ended Undertaker's career at WrestleMania, right? That was the thought. Um, he's taken out, even in, even in this year's Royal Rumble, he eliminated Edge. So I don't think he's, if I was Roman Reigns, I'd be like, hey, guys, can you, can you write something where I'm not hated by a million people? <laughs> That's just my take on it. I feel like he's, he can be, he's a great wrestler. He puts on great matches. Kev, I know, you don't, I know you don't agree, but he puts on great matches. I don't care if he's, what you say, John Cena, five moves. And John Cena, a Jace with less Here, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Eric, Eric's right, though. He does – Here's the thing. There's when it comes to like being a wrestler in WWE, like you got to be able to separate the wrestlers that you see in the Indies and and an AEW, and then the wrestlers in WWE. WWE is definitely way different when it comes to all the wrestlers' talent. Like 
Big E isn't going to be doing some high-flying maneuvers. And when he does, I'm going to be like, holy crap. You know what I mean? But Roman, Roman is going to be doing big spots. He's known to do those big spot moves that, that it's like, the, uh, like a stunt move where, where they would fall off something and land in something. He's really good at that stuff. He makes it look good. He's, his timing is excellent, too. I, 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 that's what really sold me for Roman. I was not a Roman fan at all. You guys knew that. I did not like Roman Reigns. Was his feud with John Cena a couple of years ago. That's what really did it for me. I really became a fan of, of Roman then because I think, I think he struggled on the microphone, and I think he, Cena knew that. And Cena totally just exposed him, exposed him on TV. And I think that that, that helped him. Um, in the long run. And then I also think Samoa Joe feuding with Roman helped him in the ring a little bit because Joe is a veteran. He's just an absolute veteran. You could, you, Joe could wrestle a broomstick and it'll be entertaining. And I think that if you like really pay attention to Roman's matches, I don't, don't think about all like his in-ring ability. Watch how he sells. Watch how he sells punches. He is, watch how he does his, the last second kick out. No one in the company besides like Ziggler can do that and that last second kick out where it just looks like they're, they've been dead. And then they just kick out of nowhere. I'm like, I thought you were going to lose. You know what I mean? Like, like it's one of those moments. I, honestly, Roman does that for me. I was uh, hoping you were going to lose. That's yeah. Kev, that's for Kev. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. With, I agree with you, Nick. That's, that's why I think he, he's always been the top dog because yeah. he, he's good for the company. I think he had to grow. Yeah, I think he had like Cena. Him and Cena had similar paths with this. Kevin's getting frustrated. Like, I don't want all this Roman talk. <laughs> but, but here's the thing: he had to grow. He had to face wrestlers that would build him up. Cena faced. He faced Jericho. He faced Shawn Michaels. He faced Edge. He faced Triple H. Um, he faced Kurt Angle. Wrestlers that built him up and taught him how to be John Cena. And they, he took a little piece from every one of them. And Roman is – I think that Roman's doing the same thing, and I, I, I hope he is. And that's what I'm kind of gathering from watching his career is that he kind of took a little bit from Cena. He took a little bit from Samoa Joe. He took a little bit from AJ Styles. And I, 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 I honestly – I can see the progression in Roman Reigns. I really can. I just want heel Roman, much like I wanted <laughs> for many, many years. Uh, and I got a taste of heel Cena last night. Thank you yeah. for Bray Wyatt. Um, I, I love you, Bray. Good segue. <laughs> uh, actually, let's segue right into it anyway. Um, so uh, the goal was the boneyard match. However, we're gonna go into the into the better one, the funnier one, to, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, Firefly, the Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt, uh, which was so confusing, it worked. Uh, oh, I thought it was great. It was fantastic. It, to me, it was very entertaining, just like WWE has to put their entertainment factor into it. Um, and it felt like it was like Inception. It felt like it was John Cena's dream uh, that, that Bray Wyatt absolutely, like his nightmare that Bray Wyatt came in and just destroyed him. I thought, I thought both, those, both those cinematic matches were outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot. It took a lot, as uh, Kev, you shared that article. It was eight hours to film the Undertaker one. But with the with the Fun House, I mean, you're right. Like you, it was it was Bray Wyatt getting in Cena's head, and I think the fans 
I mean, I didn't, I haven't read a lot about it, but I think the fans really enjoyed that. Yeah, the fans were really pissed off six years ago when Cena uh, buried Bray Wyatt. Right, and it kind of, it kind of exposed Cena as like, you're the golden child, even though people knew that, but it's still, it was still, (laughs) as you're doing, yeah, next to an Hulk Hogan. Exactly, and it, it was, it was something that needed to happen, and I, I mean, I think Bray is one of the best characters in WWE. I think he's actually, I really do think he's underrated with the company. And it, last night, the Firefly Funhouse actually showed how great of a wrestler, actor, uh, act, genius that Bray Wyatt is. Uh, I, I really think that that whole uh, cinematic viewing that we went through uh, show just his genius. And I think Bray Wyatt takes this genius from different people. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Matt Hardy, who actually first started these cinematic experiences. Because uh, to me, uh, the deletion match, the first time I saw it, I was like, what is this? And then I got into it because Nick's like, dude, watch it again. It's, it's, it's genius. Um, and Matt Hardy started that. Uh, and, and WWE took off on it. Uh, Matt Hardy uh, is getting credit by... WWE superstars on Twitter and getting shout outs uh, because of he was the originator. And I think Bray Wyatt really took that to the next level uh, with the Firefly Funhouse. Um, I loved it. Uh, we'll probably talk about Boneyard match too. Um, but I, for Firefly Funhouse, uh, we're giving Bray Wyatt shout outs and Matt Hardy shout outs. I have to give a shout out to Cena because I think he gave the reins to to Bray on this one. I honestly I think that he that. said, you know what, man, let's do what you want to do. And I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I, that's what it felt like. Cause I felt like if Cena had a say, it would have been a little bit cheesier. You know what I mean? Cause like Cena is kind of corny sometimes. I, I, I'll admit it, but he, you know, he's good at what he does. And I loved how Cena was really into, I felt like he was into it, you know? And that's, if he just, if he felt stupid, I would have felt stupid and embarrassed to watch it. But you could tell, like he was all in, Bray was all in. So I, as a fan, I'm all in, and I'm all in like the AEW. But uh, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I um, I really really enjoyed it. I think the story was great. You have to be the one thing is you do have to be a Cena fan. You have to know his career, I guess, to really appreciate it. That I liked, like the whole Kurt Angle thing. You got mm-hmm. to see it, Kurt Angle cutting the promo, and Bray's like cutting the promo over that. But you just got the the good S word by Vince McMahon. That was the CM. Was that the CM Punk thing? No, that, that, the CM- that is the uh, John Moxley interview with uh, Chris Jericho. Oh yeah, uh, that was, was great. great. This was great. Uh, the other thing I really enjoyed, and I can't believe Cena agreed to this, uh, was the Nikki Bella "You Can Look mm. But You Can't Touch" by Bray Wyatt in the middle of the ring. Uh, John Cena has definitely. Uh, He's someone who we need back, uh, and you know that's hard for me to say, Nick, because you know I don't like <laughs> Cena. Um, however, Cena for the past three years at WrestleMania has been nothing but entertaining, or his last three Mania uh, times he showed up to Mania. Uh, I think he's. I think Hollywood's helped him a lot, uh, like what you were saying, Nick, how he was in it. I think acting has kind of helped him, like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. It's going to be great, and – I yeah. think that's really helped him in his – because, like you say, he's always been cheesy. But he's like, you know what? 
I've been doing this for my other part of my career. So now I'm going to bring it back here and we're going to make this the best thing ever. Yeah. I also think that Cena knows that right now Bray needs the win. He knows he need he needs the whole story to continue. Bray's the one that's going to be on TV weekly. If they could, they're probably going to continue the storyline. He's going to be on there weekly more than Cena is. Uh, Cena's done everything he's had to do in the company besides win the IC title uh, or beat Ric Flair's streak. Yes, I want him to do that. So, um, uh, but I, I do think that he knows Bray's worth now. I think before six years ago, you guys were saying he buried him. I, I'm all, You know I'm really the – I try to defend Cena as much as I can, and I do see the burials. The one burial I see the most is his Blade Barrett burial because – both Jericho and Edge have come out and said that he he did, and even Cena has said he admitted to like you shouldn't have done that. Bray, those years ago, although he was over, I don't think he's as over as he was as the Fiend. I think that Cena might have thought, you know what, it's gonna be a hit or a miss guy, you know, and and Cena has to protect himself too. He's the company guy. He he has he is the guy. He always has been. You walk down the street. And you say, hey, do you know who John Cena is? Ten out of ten times, someone's going to say, yeah. You just walk down the street and you say, hey, do you know who Bray Wyatt is? Come on. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be a wrestling fan that knows who Bray Wyatt is. But The Fiend, that could change. And I think that Cena knows that. I think that he knows there's money in there. He knows that um, there's more of a story with this. And I, I, I loved how it was. We don't get the crowd. Right, so we don't have a, a WrestleMania crowd, which sucks. And what do we do? We just have a bunch of empty arena matches, for the most part. But instead, the Fiend and Cena put on a cinematic masterpiece, and we just get to sit there and enjoy it. So well done, edited perfectly too. Yeah, it was it was perfect. Uh, that whole the whole match was perfect. Uh, this will not be the last time we see John Cena versus Bray Wyatt or the Fiend. Uh, it will happen again, in my opinion, at one point, and it will. Pro- it may end up being Cena's last match in WWE, uh, unless they're going to say, "Hey, go after Ric Flair's record." But I don't think Cena wants it. It's not um, the I, last time you'll see a cin- cinematic uh, match either. No, it won't be the last time. Speaking about cinematic matches, let's bring it to the b- boneyard match between AJ Styles and the Undertaker, um, which was literally a movie uh, throughout the whole time. Uh, it was a great production throughout reminded me of Matt Hardy's deletion matches uh and just just to me I I get people thought it was campy I get people thought it was funny however it's the undertaker he can't wrestle these long matches anymore without a tag team partner I'm sorry he's 52 53 years old at this time uh he can't go in the ring anymore especially with someone like an AJ Styles uh and AJ Styles and the undertaker made up for the travesty that was Saudi mania uh, with The Undertaker and Goldberg, um, they, they made up for it. Uh, Undertaker definitely showed off that he is and will forever be one of the greatest superstars in the WWE. No one wants uh, to take away? No one wants to take oh, I was sure Eric wanted to take it. <laughs> I, I, I'll just, just say, uh, this was my favorite. It's hard for me to say this because I loved Edge and Orton. If Edge Norton had a, had a crowd, it would have stolen the show for me, obviously. Edge is my favorite. But this was my favorite of WrestleMania this this um, weekend because, yes, it was a movie. It was an action movie. 
I don't know if you guys ever played Mortal Kombat, but it kind of reminded me of Mortal <laughs> Kombat a little yes, bit. Yes. Not the movie, but the like the game. Yes, because like, so they were in front like, of the gravestones. Yeah, and their right. entrance, their entrance right. alone, like from two uh, sides, but, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot. I this is something. This is one of those matches I would show anyone if I if they like action movies or anything like that. I wouldn't even say, "Oh, this is wrestling." I would just show them this and see what they thought of it and then tell them, hey, by the way, these guys are wrestlers. And they're going to be like, what? You know, I think that that's what that did for me. Um, I agree, Kev, that people were saying online, like there's a very mixed emotions on this one. People were saying online that is a little cheesy and, and laughable. I was laughing, but I was laughing because I was, I was shocked that they decided to do this and it was the main event. And it was perfect. It was so, it was, it was great. The only wrestling move that I think, I'm not counting a choke slam as a wrestling move because that could be done in an action movie. The only wrestling move that was done was the, tomb, the tombstone. And it was right. done to Carl Anderson. And everything else, was it was just a fight to the death. It was great. Yeah, I think the only thing that really bothered me uh, in WWE lore were that the Druids uh, kind of like turned on the Undertaker. That was like the only thing that really bothered me throughout that match because uh, I think the Undertaker needed some defense. And I think the Druids showing up defending him would have been pretty cool or having Kane show up and defend him would be pretty cool. That would have uh, been cool. But it, that's the only thing that really bothered me. Everything else I, I thought was perfect. I, I actually needed a little bit more of that match because I was so entertained. I wanted more uh, to like AJ Styles hand out of the literally being buried um, in that match. <laughs> uh, his hand up outside reminded me of the Ninja Turtles uh, with Shredder in <laughs> <laughs> with his hand being raised out um uh-huh. it would have been really funny to see aj styles turn that into like a two sweet instead of a five his just hand with the five it would have been cool if it was just the two sweet right right really cool um does anybody want to talk anything else about the boneyard match um uh, no it was more just um it was good for the undertaker um it shows he's still a badass like he uh- yeah, I'm going to go into a match that kind of uh, ticked everybody off. Uh, it ticked me off for sure. It ticks Eric off a little bit. Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley uh, for the oh. NXT title. Uh, this, really, this really ticked me off because Rhea is fire. She is the future of the women's division. Uh, she should be the present of the women's division. Uh, it was a great match, uh, but Rhea losing to Charlotte Flair really ticked off wrestling fans, and it, it really ticked me off. That's because um, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't happen. Uh, I, I, Charlotte Flair is probably the greatest women's wrestler right now, or maybe of all time. Um, but Rhea Ripley should have gone over in that match. And this is the thing that bothers me with, as you know, Roman Reigns. It's the thing that bothered me with John Cena, um, is that this this top superstar is burying people who they shouldn't be burying. And Rhea Ripley does not deserve to be buried. Oh, I don't. I don't think she was buried in this match. I, I don't think it was that. I mean, NXT she, was buried in WrestleMania. Shayna yeah. Baszler was buried. Rhea Ripley was buried. NXT got buried at WrestleMania. Yeah, but I, I still don't think that match was. I don't think she was buried in it. I think she put up a good fight, and then she got a you know a knee injury, um, and it and it was just exploited. I wouldn't say that's burying her. That she can still come back from that. It's not like she was just rolled up on pin and left you know what i mean it was, it was it was she still fought when she was injured in the match right 
Um, I was just going to say, now, don't be mad at me. This is probably the only one I missed, the only match I missed. So um, I do know the, the outcome. I, I think I'm going to look at it like I am a Charlotte fan, but I'm not going to be a Charlotte fan with my answer here. I'm going to be a fan of the rivalry between NXT and AEW. You got to remember, that's every Wednesday. They need viewers. Not saying Rhea Ripley doesn't provide viewers. Not saying that at all. Not saying she can grow and progress. But Charlotte does provide viewers. There are fans of Charlotte Flair, the Flair name. So if they're trying, they're trying, they're trying that out. I can see why they put the the strap on her because they're like, yo, let's let's see if this will work and see if we can get some more viewers than AEW. AEW has been beating them every Wednesday, weekly. Like there's every now and then NXT will win, but it's it's more. AEW has been doing a lot better with viewership, which is a shame because NXT is a great product. Um, I do, I do think it's unfair that it came at Rhea Ripley's expense of her, of her losing. I think that if you're going to have, if you're trying to build, uh, get viewers up, you don't need it. It doesn't need to be one person to change that. Charlotte Flair isn't that one person. You have Finn Balor, now you have Charlotte Flair. Uh, I mean, you have Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa not move up. That's another reason, another way to do it. Same with Adam Cole. Uh, but KO, KO was a guy that potentially could have went back down and won the NXT World Champion Championship. That's another way to build up your product. I, I agree. I think that it wasn't really a fair, a fair outcome for Rhea Ripley. But I disagree about the burial of NXT. I think that they are thinking of NXT, but in a way that we're not agreeing with. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, I'm really I, – like I said, I'm disappointed. Uh, you bring up Shayna Baszler, you make her look dominant, and then you have her lose with, True. with a fruit roll up finish. Uh, Rhea Ripley, <laughs> you at least got a little bit of a fight out of her. You get, had the knee injury. But once right. again, it, those are the two women that have carried NXT for the past couple of years, and you're, you're going to bury what is, a, to me, a very good show. Not bury a good show, but you're hurting a really good show in NXT – who does go up against an AEW who's gotten better in the past three weeks. I would say NXT has put on, on a better product until these no-fan arena shows. Uh, AEW has just done a great job, but that's a topic for discussion. You know yeah. You know what I, I would like to see um, is if they do this feud down in NXT, Charlotte goes more on her own path rather than living in her father's shadow. Mm-hmm. Like well, she, yeah, she gets like away that. from the she gets away from the flair name, <clears throat> just becomes Charlotte. Stops with the, the you know the outfits and the song and the, the wooing, and just go do her own thing. Right, she, go, go ahead and compare, okay? Because they will never do this. They will never do this because the flair name sells. Just <laughs> yeah. the heart name sells. Yeah, okay. if my last name was Brett, like Brett Hart's last name. I'd keep that last name. Natalia Nyhart has lived in Bret Hart's shadow to the point where she's still coming out in his entrance music. Yeah, I, but Charlotte's a better wrestler than Natalia. I, I, it's not going to happen. The flair name's going to sell. It, it's, they're going to make her out to be the greatest of all time. Even if Vince likes or dislikes Ric Flair, they're going to continue to push Charlotte Flair. I really want to see... You know, I, well, I think I texted either Kev or both you guys this the other night. I want to see Charlotte Flair and Andrade be a team because they in the ring. You can't tell me they're both they're both incredible. They both are. I like to see them as a mixed tag team against Zelina Vega 
and Garza or something like that. I, I think that would be a really awesome matchup. Um, and both women can take maneuvers, uh, can do maneuvers to the, the men and take maneuvers the same way. Like they, they can flip flop uh, awesome matches between all four of them. It doesn't need to be like one of those matches where as soon as the, the guy tags out, both have to tag out. They can, they can go back and forth with each other. I, I think that would be really cool with them. I think they should bring back the mixed tag team uh, challenge or something like that and have Charlotte and Andrade move up. I think they people know that they're married. You know what I mean? Like, why not build on that? Andrade needs the person who can talk. Charlotte can talk. So I, I think that would be an interesting dynamic that we could we could get. Like, that would give some heat because um, a lot of people don't like Charlotte. I just heard both of you guys talking. You're frustrated as heck with her. So I, I can see that would give Andrade more heat because he gets cheered for even though he's supposed to be a heel. You know, his ma- his ma- he's so good in the ring, he gets cheered for it. So he needs the heat. I think those two together would be a really good mix. Let's break kayfabe. Uh, let's let's put uh, Selena Vega with Alistair Black since though those go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> put Montez Ford with Bianca Belair because they're married. Hell, while we're at, let's put Edge with uh, with Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix because they're <laughs> they did they did continue to push this this marry this real life marriage. Oh, let's put the man Becky. Lynch. This is what you've been saying this whole podcast, by the way. Let's put the man Becky Lynch with Seth Rollins because hey, that's not what I've been saying. This is what I said that I thought they were going to go get married because that's what their plan was. I thought they were going to get written off. Huh, I think that while Charlotte we're at it, put them in a mixed tag team match. Let's put them against Charlotte and Andrade. Uh, Charlotte and Entertainment. Selena versus Montez and Bianca. Why not? Damn. I didn't even – in your notes, you're the one who wrote Montez Ford with Bianca, the wife. You put that in the notes here that I'm looking at. I didn't even know they were married, smart one. Uh, so – uh, the way I look at it, I came up with a decent storyline to help Andrade out, who can't speak English, who needs someone to speak for him, uh, who is over as heck, Charlotte, regardless if you like her or not, she's over. So that's what I meant. But if I got your, if I got your panties in a bunch, Mr. Uh, Philly fan, I'm sorry about that. Let's continue with this real-life couple, all right? <laughs> with Otis and Mandy Rose. That's the not real a, that's life, love relationship. <laughs> The best story, one of the best storylines going into WrestleMania. That's because um, Dolph Ziggler was in it. This this great uh, storyline between Otis and Mandy Rose and uh, the truth teller, whoever that may be, it's probably <laughs> Ali. Uh, and that storyline going into Mania, Otis gets his moment, uh, gets his big WrestleMania moment, uh, gets the girl and Mandy Rose, and it's probably going to end in about two months. But hey, it was fun. <laughs> it's just another match. Just another match where Dolph Ziggler can sell. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and it was actually Dolph's first uh, singles match at WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, that's sad. That's sad. I was very disappointed about that. That statistic. I was like, oh man, Ziggler hasn't gotten a singles match yet. Uh, yeah, the storyline. I know Kev was really into this storyline. I thought it was good. I thought it was classic WWE romance storyline type of stuff. Way better than the Rusev Lana stuff. It was more entertaining. It was funny. Otis is naturally funny. He doesn't try to be funny, so that's really good. Ziggler is very corny, in my opinion. I think he's great in the ring, but his whole acting part is really bad. He's a really bad actor, in my opinion. But, yeah, I really liked the, the storyline. I liked the ending. It was a feel-good moment. There, there should have been a crowd for the pop at the end. Other than that, I enjoyed it. 
Yeah. Yeah, and obviously that's going to continue a bit with we have no idea what Sonia Deville was getting out of the deal. Um, potentially, it might be Sonia and Dolph versus Otis and Mandy. Uh, maybe a SummerSlam match. Maybe a Money in the Bank match. All right, now to Edge and Orton. <laughs> Let's get to a real match. <laughs> that was one of my favorite storylines going, and you're going to ruin my moment. Yes. Uh, but yeah, let's go to let's let's end WrestleMania yes. uh, with the longest match on the card. Uh, and once again, another great storyline going in. Uh, potentially should have been one of the main events. However, I know why they didn't do it. Uh, Edge versus Randy Orton, last man standing, and it could end anywhere uh to me this match was really well done uh i think the best part of this match and i saw complaints about this was the commentary in this match i saw people complaining about the commentary uh throughout this last man standing match and to me it felt like a baseball game uh let the guys wrestle all right let them tell the story we don't need a commentator uh mentioning every little thing this is what made harry callis so great he left the crowd noise to be nothing until something happened. Let, let it just sit, all right? Let the performers perform and then mention something. I thought that was one of the underappreciated things throughout this match. Yeah, who I commentated. Sorry, who commentated? It was the Raw uh, team. So it, so was, it was Byron Saxon and Tom Phillips? Yeah. Okay. Eric? I thought, I, yeah, I, I thought this was a great match. Uh, what I liked about it, it was, I mean, it was personal, right? So it, it made the match very watchable. Um, you could see Edge wanted to get revenge, you know. I mean, Orton arcaded his wife. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean vintage I just, Orton. Yeah, Vintage Orton. It was even Vintage Orton how it came out. He came out as a cameraman. Uh, you know, that was an Edge move. Oh, was he it? Got, he learned that from Edge, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. it, was, it was just great. And, but what I really liked was the ending because, you know, Edge drops the concerto on him, right? But he still is like, dude, I love this guy. Yeah, it was very much uh, – I don't want to compare it to this, but I'm going to anyway. It was very much Shawn Michaels, I'm sorry, I love you at the end of that match uh, yeah. where he's looking tears in his eyes and it's like – You've done so much to me, my friends, and my family over the past few weeks. Uh, I love you, but you deserve this, basically. Yeah, basically. With a at the end of the match. Yeah, I – you know me. I've, I've been saying it for years since you guys met me. Edge has been my favorite wrestler for a long time. I've been waiting 10 years for him to come back. I cried with his Royal Rumble return. Uh, I get very emotional when it comes to Edge because he's the, he's the person, you know, he's living his dream. This was his dream ever since he was a child, and it was ripped up, ripped away from him. It was taken from him, and he was told he was never allowed to do it ever again. And he he accepted it, which is super hard to do to admit defeat, accept that you can't do what you love, but then being told that he could come back and do what he loves and do, do your, you can do your dream again. That's what he was told, and, and and he took that and he ran with it. And I highly recommend watching the documentary. I'm I'm halfway through it now documentary is really really good it's emotional um everyone speaks very highly of him and he speaks highly of, of the upcoming wrestlers that are, are going uh that are going through the ranks right now um i also when it comes to the the match i said that the undertaker aj styles was like my favorite of wrestlemania i would say when it comes to actual wrestling and stuff that this was my favorite 
obviously, because it's Edge, uh, but also because, in my opinion, might not be for you guys, I thought this was the best storyline in WrestleMania build-up. I thought it was better than any storyline that happened last WrestleMania. I think this was the best storyline that we've seen in a long time because you could tell that uh, all parties involved in, the, in this storyline knew the history and the timeline of things to a T. You could tell Paul Heyman was a part of the story. This was definitely a Paul Heyman written story. You could tell Orton and, and Edge both wanted all the vulnerability in this, in this story. They said, you know what? Every, everything that has happened, you know, when it comes to stuff that they're not supposed to talk about in wrestling, bring it up. You know what I mean? I, I, I loved that. I loved the honesty that they did for, for us as fans, because when they try and sell us a story that's a lie, that with the internet existing now, we can tell that if it's kayfabe or not. And the fact that this was a, like, obviously we know they're friends in real life, but when it comes to what they talked about and what they did, this was a very real story. And that's what really sold it for me. Um, I was worried for Edge's health throughout the match. I think at one point I texted you guys saying, is Edge just amazing at acting and selling or is he actually hurt again? Because I was generally concerned for his health. So yeah, I, I loved it. I'm glad to see him back. Uh, some people are bitter that he's only wrestling five times a year. I don't care. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's healthy. And I'm excited to see what, what he's got next. Yeah, definitely. We're, uh, we're very excited to see what Edge has in his future. Um, just a quick spot, not, not noteworthy. Uh, what was your favorite match at WrestleMania? Uh, just think of, think it over. Uh, mine, uh, was Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. I just thought that was uh, a classic, a great feud, a great way to end, uh, that story. Uh, mine was a ladder match just because that's my type of wrestling. Um, <clears throat> for anyone, anyone listening, I am a huge Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian you know, that, that TLC match was amazing. And the other boys did too. Um, so yeah, hands down, easily one of my favorites. I would say, um, I mean, that moment is definitely um, the Boneyard match because I've never seen something like that. I mean, we saw the final deletion, but that was just like a WWE produced version of it. And I, I loved it, you know, the Boneyard match. But I wanted to say real quick, when uh, Eric brought up the whole uh, cameraman thing that Orton did, Edge did that. I just just for fun, just for a fun fact. Edge dressed up as a cameraman in like 2008, I believe, uh, and it was Batista versus Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell match for the world title, the SmackDown at the time. And Edge hit um, the Undertaker, I believe, with the with the camera, or he hit Batista and caused the other one to lose. So I believe he helped Batista win, and even though Batista was a face at the time, so I kind of liked that. It kind of it showed that. Orton has learned a few things from Edge to just further that story. So in ring, when it comes to wrestling, Edge and Orton's my favorite, but favorite moment, probably the Boneyard match. That's my take. All right. So this will actually be the end of the wrestling portion of the podcast. We're going to get into Philly news uh, quickly. So Nick, give us a, give us a second. Where can our listeners find you? Okay. Uh, as of right now, nowhere. <laughs> no. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do plan on bringing back the All Things Wrestling. It was a radio show. It's going to become a podcast soon. I'm going to be ordering equipment. Uh, so I'll be back anytime you guys want to talk wrestling. Uh, and also, whenever I do get that started and up running, I will let you know. And you can plug me, and I'll plug you guys. We can help each other out. Yada, yada, yada. I scratch my – you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And uh, you suplex me, I'll take you 
uh, Super Bike City. I don't know. Is that how it works? <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I loved being on here. I had fun with you guys. Uh, I, obviously, I had fun because I was supposed to only be here for a half hour, but I stayed for an hour because I just love you guys, and you guys are fun. So, you guys are my buddies. Yeah. Yeah, right. it, went, uh, it went a little long, but there was two nights of wrestling, so it had to. Yeah, it was a lot of wrestling. This is a bonus episode. Enjoy the the bonus uh, features of this. Uh, getting into sports news, uh, specifically so, yeah. Philly sports news, being that we are the Philly fans. Am uh, I allowed to just roll? Yeah, you're allowed to roll, Nick. Okay, see everybody. <laughs> so, getting into Philly sports news, uh, even though Nick is trying to roll, um, just some news that came across uh, my phone or social media earlier. Uh, the NHL is looking to revive uh, the the playoffs as well as the NBA uh, in a in different facilities. So there will be neutral sites uh, is the rumor right now. Um, with one of the Dakotas being uh, a site for the NHL playoffs, and the rumor is Atlantic City uh, is looking to get the NBA playoffs, just neutral territories for different teams uh, with less fans attending these events. Eric, did you see that? What's that? Yes, I did see that. Um, I am interested. I would just be happy to get hockey back. So anything that happens would be great. Um, same with basketball. It would be great, too. Um, I know AC, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, uh, and I don't think it's going to stop people from attending. That's, that's my biggest worry. Hopefully, uh, COVID-19, uh, we come closer to the end of it uh, fairly soon. To be, on, to be honest, I, I'd rather them do games with no fans um, just so they can come. I, I mean, if, if they're just trying to get things done, just get, you know, get the games played. Um, if they go into a playoff and, uh, you know, this is we're good to go to games again, then we can get people there. But I think they should, once they can come back and they can play with no fans, I think they should. Yep. Um, the other thing that I, I noticed earlier – uh, was that the NFL will be drafting remotely. So it sounds like it's going to be remote, uh, remotely drafted from their homes, kind of like the original NFL draft was. Uh, I think it's a very good idea. It definitely doesn't take away from the NFL season. Uh, mm -hmm. definitely helps, uh, helps these teams get prepared for the regular season. No, I, think, I think that's a great idea. Um, uh, I don't think it's going to change anything. I mean, there doesn't really have to be a fan base there anyway. I get it, but this is a draft. You don't need fans there. Yeah, it was always a moneymaker uh, yeah. for the past couple of years. So now yeah. you don't have to do that. And on top of that, you're never going to top the uh, the Philly NFL draft a few years <laughs> anyway. Right. So uh, I think drafting remotely is a very good idea. Uh, that's all news that I had. Oh, I do have one more, speaking of football. Um, rest in peace to former Eagles kicker Tom Dempsey. Uh, he was 73, died of COVID-19, unfortunately. Um, legend. I mean, he had no he had no toes. <laughs> yeah, so and he was a sixty-two yard field goal, one of the NFL record holders. Right. He was a long time had it himself. So uh, mm -hmm. rest in peace, yep. uh, Mr. Dempsey. Uh, that is actually all that we have today on the Philly Fans Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's bonus episode, and we will be back later on this week, and we will be talking Eagles football. Uh, obviously, the draft is coming up, so get ready. Uh, and enjoy a nice little listen coming up this week. This is Kevin Key. And this is Eric James. Sorry, I was on mute.
and we are signing off. You think you know me? You think you know me? You think you know me? You think you know me?